So, hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Return of Ritual podcast. I am your host, Amber Winston, and today I have a wonderful, amazing, wise woman to join us in this very important conversation. For those of you who have listened to season one and are back listening to season two, you know that I am wildly passionate about helping to bring ritual and ceremony back into our modern society. If we just look around, we can see, you know, people are on technology, they're as connected as ever before, but really at the root of it, I feel like people are very disconnected. And I want to help people remember who they really are why they're here and get them to start doing that that one thing or multiple things. And I think that ritual and ceremony can become the heart of communities that can bring us together and to help us in our own remembrance. So today I would love to welcome uh, Susan Weed. Welcome, Susan. Thanks for having me. I'm so honored to be here. It's really ritual, a pleasure ritual, to have you. Ritual and ceremony, very important. Yes, and I can't wait to dive into that. Um, a little bit of background on how I came across Susan's work. I actually heard her in a friend's podcast of mine, and she was talking all about her nourishing herbal infusions, which I'm sure we'll touch on briefly. And I was like, totally lit up by that. And I felt like that was a secret that, that I was being let in on, that there's so many nourishing weeds and plants out there that we can be ingesting for our own longevity and health and wellness. And so I just want to thank you for that little bit of knowledge that was shared through that podcast, because I've adopted that into my, my daily ritual, and I am just noticing night and day changes. So thank you for that. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, and I also read your book, Abundantly Well, and I was like, oh, this is so incredible. And I gave it to my mom. Um, so she currently has it and hopefully she's reading it. And mom, if you're listening, I hope you're reading it um, because there's a lot of really great information in there. So that's how I was introduced to Susan. Let me introduce you all uh, to Susan now by just reading her bio. Uh, Susan Weed, a green witch and wise woman, is an extraordinary teacher with a joyous spirit, a powerful presence, and an, and, an encyclopedic knowledge of herbs and health. She is the voice of the Wise Woman Way, where common weeds, simple ceremony, and compassionate listening support and nourish health, wholeness, and holiness. She has opened hearts to the magic and medicine of the Green Nations for over five decades. Mrs. Weed's six herbal medicine books focus on women's health topics, including menopause, childbearing, and breast health. Susan's newest book, Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, is already being hailed as a landmark, critically needed and timely. It redefines patient-centered care. Um, we'll encourage you guys to visit her website to learn more about her, which we can link in the show notes. Um, but she's got a ton of really great information on her site, some courses to dive into, you know, what are the nourishing herbal infusions, how to make them, for example. Um, and she also has a really fantastic newsletter that I subscribe to, um, and really enjoy reading. So welcome again, Susan. So wonderful to have you. Thank you, Amber. I'm so happy to be here to share green blessings with you and all of our listeners. Fabulous. So the first question that I have is kind of a fun little icebreaker. I'm always curious with everybody that I talk to, what is your astrology sign? I am a sun in Aquarius, moon in Taurus, rising sign at Taurus. 
I love that you know all of them. <laughs> and my son is in the 11th house. Amazing. Where Amazing. it is joined, where it is joined by Venus and somebody else. Okay. And so do you connect to to your signs to this amazing concoction of which you are about 20 25 years ago there was a very well-known astrologer dead now who wrote a book on the typical person of each sign and she chose me for the typical aquarius she said of the thousands of aquarius that she knows there's no more typical aquarius than and i i don't even know the name of the book it's still possibly available but uh Yes, and you know, I'm not an astrologer myself. I know very little about astrology, um, but I do know that uh, if you'll all just do what I say, you'll be happy, and I'll be happy. <laughs> I have now, isn't that a typical Aquarius statement? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I have a, a very dear friend who's an Aquarius couple, and when I look at Aquarius from the outside, I just see like trendsetters. You know, very like they have a they have a great eye for things and they and just so just looking in I can totally see that you're an Aquarius you know you've got you've got your groove going on and it's like wow what is what's going on there that's really interesting I'm right I'm learn more. Um, <laughs> fabulous well thanks for sharing that that Aquarius sun and then the the Taurus that very earthy kind of grounded right. you know or as I say to people feet on the ground head in the clouds aren't you glad it's not the other way around <laughs> I'm going to be laughing a lot in this podcast um, with the sense of humor that I'm feeling come come through. Um, the next question that I have is around ritual and ceremony. So I would love to kind of get a glimpse into your daily life. So let's think about an ideal day for you. What would be your ideal morning or evening? You can talk about either one or both uh, rituals and ceremonies. What are you doing to invoke the sacred in your daily life? Mm -hmm. I want to set the stage for this a little bit. So it's going to be a more involved answer than you might be thinking of. I'm ready for it. Okay. You know, when I was a little girl, one of the rituals in my life was a yearly ritual in which I got new underwear and then was taken to the doctor for my annual checkup. So that was a very big ritual in what? my life. My, my dad was Jewish, my mom Catholic. So I got, you know, uh, <laughs> to see a variety of different religions, but that, that for many people as a child, religion is their ritual. Yep. Um, but because I was getting both of them, it didn't like sink in that way, but going to the doctor did. And I learned at the doctor, the two most important things that we ever learn about health and healing, the doctor would look at me, say I was in perfect health to my mother. So I knew I had nothing to do with my health. It was all in the hands of the experts. And then after declaring to me to be in perfect health, the doctor would give me a shot. So I learned that in order to stay healthy, you have to use drugs. And most of us have learned this as children and continue to exhibit these behaviors as adults because they were ritualized into our lives. Right, and they continue to believe in um, mommy, daddy, doctor, God. Yeah. Right, a mythical figure that I had made up, mommy, daddy, doctor, God. Yeah. Right, which is, which is like the one that's gonna give you the right answer, the one that's gonna save you, right? Mm -hmm. And in so long as we believe in that, we're not in our own power. Right. Right. So for some people, um, scientific medicine fails them. If you have a chronic problem like arthritis, um, scientific medicine's not so good. Alzheimer's, we don't know. Modern medicine doesn't know what to do at all. So these people go looking for something else 
like alternative medicine. And that was certainly my case, right? Um, modern scientific medicine failed me abysmally, both in my bladder infections. And although I took birth control pills, I got pregnant and then they didn't know what was gonna happen because I'd been taking birth control pills while I was pregnant. So I said, whoa, you know, this is, this is not really serving me. I'm gonna go look for alternative medicine. And what most of us find when we look for alternative medicine is the heroic tradition. And we really like the heroic tradition because it is densely ritualized. The heroic tradition basically says that if you are balanced and cleansed, you'll be healthy. And in, to succeed at those goals, you have to, in a ritualistic way, throw out most of what you know and most of what you eat and most of what you do and follow their rules. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me typify two years of my life in the heroic tradition as though it were a few days. Mm -hmm. I read a book and it said to be really healthy and really clean and really balanced, you should drink carrot juice. So I went to the store and I bought a juicer and a 25 pound bag of organic carrots and I might have lived happily ever after drinking my carrot juice if I hadn't bought another book. And I'm reading that other book while I'm drinking my carrot juice and it says, if you eat anything raw, you will die. The only safe foods for human beings are cooked brown rice and maybe some beans and seaweed. So I went back to the store and I bought a pressure cooker and a 25 pound bag of organic brown rice and some beans and some seaweed. And I might have lived happily ever after eating macrobiotically if I hadn't bought another book. So I'm eating my beans and my rice and I'm reading this book and it says, if you eat beans and rice together, you're going to die because it's a bad food combination. So I, <laughs> you've been there. I've been many there. Pe many people say, oh, I really hear you on this one. I've gone through all of that. Mm -hmm. So I go back to the store and I buy all the charts on food combining and I'm sitting in my kitchen sometime later. It's a smallish kitchen, but the charts are covering all the walls and the ceiling. And I'm eating watermelon at midnight and we know I am eating watermelon. Because if you look at all those charts, it's the only thing left to eat. And you know I'm eating it at midnight because you can't eat watermelon within six hours of any other food or it will ferment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, it's... When somebody walked in my door with a book by Juliette de Barclay Levy, mm -hmm. and it wasn't that Juliette's book was written in the wise woman tradition, but there was something about reading a book written by a practicing herbal and me understand that there was yet a third way. So the scientific tradition measures and fixes, the heroic tradition balances and cleanses, both of which are anti-life. Well, give it a try. Let's breathe in. Breathing in, breathing in, hold it, hold it, hold it, you're balanced, hold it, hold it, hold it, you're balanced, you're balanced, you're balanced, you're balanced. Uh-oh, she breathed out. She's not balanced anymore. As we can see, balance is the opposite of life. Life requires dynamic disequilibrium, breathing in and breathing out, positive and negative, high and low, good and bad. Life is yin and yang, not one, but both. Mm -hmm. So no balance even within the yin-yang symbol. When the yin gets very big, there's yang inside it. When the yang gets very big, there's yin inside it. So we always see that there's always a movement. No balance is possible. As a matter of fact, E.O. Wilson um, reminds us that so far as we know, and there's some pretty good evidence, it all started with a big bang. And that Big Bang spewed hydrogen evenly throughout the created universe. So the created universe was nothing but hydrogen atoms 
evenly distributed. And there we would still be, except there was a perturbation. And that perturbation caused a spiraling, which caused the hydrogen atoms to come together to form a star. And to do new switch elements. And this goes on and on and on until finally we get dust clouds and planets and us. So if the universe was balanced, we would not exist. Wow, huh? Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Suppose and you and I go out into the woods and pick up, pick up. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, even just from what you were saying earlier about, you know, all these fad diets or new books and just the chronic confusion that people are experiencing and striving for this balance, which you're basically describing is, is something not worth striving for because it's not really how we should be living. Right. It doesn't exactly. exist. Yeah. It doesn't exist. And it's not, flow. it's not healthy. Balance is not healthy. <laughs> and then if you and I were to go out in the woods and pick up every piece of uh, dead wood and leaves and really sweep the forest floor, what would happen? It would grow back and then more leaves would fall and it would no, it would die. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cause it, it needs, would... oh, cause it needs, of course. Yes. So yes. And I, I see this with my apple tree. I have an apple tree right here in my front courtyard and her name is Esmeralda and we honor her and we love her. And she's going through a second harvest of apples, which she's never done before. Um, and so she always drops her leaves and she drops apples and, in the beginning, I was like going around and like picking up the dead apples and like, you know, putting them in the recycle and like sweeping some of the dead leaves and putting them away. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, like that's part of the natural cycle and that needs to decompose down there and start that whole process of re-energizing Esmeralda or, you know. Yes. So yes. And I'm the right. apples that have fallen attract mice and deer and possums and raccoons, which leave behind fertilizer. Right. Well, probably not so much of where I live, but maybe at night there's little rats. Of course, out. there are all those animals out there at night. <laughs> you have room for an apple tree. Those There are animals there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. I welcome them here. I do. I really do. Yeah. As a matter of fact, clean is the only word my apprentices are not allowed to use. They can dust, they can sweep, but they can't clean. Yes. Because well, that's a whole other thing, right? Like how, I mean, we won't go down too many rabbit holes with, you know, COVID and, and whatnot, but people who just like antibacterial and cleanse every countertop in their home and, and disinfect everything, you know, you're only, you're, you're basically supporting the really aggressive bacteria to come back even stronger. Yeah, actually totally right. They did a study in which they went to the kitchens of various people from the ultra neat person who, as you say, sterilizes everything, mm -hmm. you know, all right, bleach and Lysol on everything to the, the uh, pad of the single person with takeout boxes and dishes in the sink and so on. And what they found was that that last person with all the mess has far more beneficial bacteria in their kitchen. And the person who's doing all that cleaning has the worst possible right, right things that can really make you sick in their kitchen because they, it's because again, there has to be yin and yang. There has to be the helpful ones. So both balancing and cleansing, which is the goal of the heroic tradition, actually makes us unhealthy. And when I realized that both measuring and fixing and balancing and cleansing were not paths to health, I said, what is a path to health? 
Now, I told you that I grew up with mixed religions. And I, what I didn't tell you was I was sent to Baptist Sunday school. <laughs> so <laughs> at okay. home, I'm getting Catholic in one ear and Jewish in the other ear. And then on Sundays, I'm asking very awkward questions and getting thrown out of Sunday school because I'm asking all these questions that I shouldn't be asking because I know about the Jewish side, the Catholic side, as well as the Baptist side here. So what I do know, because I have, you know, then furthered my education in comparative religions is that a great many cultures have the belief that humans are created in the image of the creator. Have you run across that belief? Yeah. It's a very, very common belief. So I said to myself, okay, if I'm created in the image of the creator, that means I'm perfect because whatever creates is perfect. So what's in between me and being that perfect? What's in between me and manifesting that perfection? Mm. And I realized that there could only be one answer and that was nourishment. Yeah. That if I give myself everything I need, then I will more closely approach that perfection I was created in. Mm-hmm. However, I will guarantee you that none of your ancestors ever said, what should I eat? Mm-hmm. What your ancestor said was, will I eat? Right. It was survival. Is there something to eat? And Mm -hmm. I will also remind you that if you are not a white person in a Western culture, that is probably still your question. Yeah. So as you were saying, uh, it's very dilettantish to say, what should I eat? Mm -hmm. It presupposes that you have a lot of choice and not... Everybody on this planet, as a matter of fact, the vast majority do not yeah. have a choice. Even in so then I had to ask myself, if we're talking about everybody here, we're talking about people who don't have a choice, then what you need to provide, Susan, is some access to something that is simple, safe, inexpensive, and accessible. Yeah. And that anybody can do. Mm-hmm. You heard me talking about nourishing herbal infusions and you said, I'm going to do that. Yes, it was accessible. It was accessible to you, right? Mm -hmm. The herbs are not rare. Herbs are very common herbs. Stinging nettle, oat straw, red clover, comfrey leaf, linden flowers. Those are my five favorite nourishing herbal infusions. So the wise woman tradition nourishes the uniqueness the individual so my daily ritual begins at night when I make infusion when you're making it for the next day yes when I'm making it for the next day exactly now I'm often making infusion for more than just me because I have apprentices and other people so I might be boiling a gallon of water and it takes a while for that gallon of water to boil and so mm-hmm. during that time I sweep And sweeping to me is such a wonderful, wonderful ritual. People say, why don't you get a vacuum cleaner? I say, because it's not, it's not a ceremony. Vacuuming could be a ceremony, but sweeping always is. Well, and that's energetic too, isn't it? Very energetic. Yes. Mm -hmm. You'll get really warm sweeping (laughs) as well. And you think about it, you know, we start with the woman with the digging stick. And the digging stick is incredibly important, especially in Africa. It helps us find buried water. And so the digging stick and in Australia as well, I have an Australian decorated digging stick that was given to me by a group of Australian women. And it's women's business. It's never been seen by a man. And it's a really powerful 
woman's charge. Now, uh, I use the word woman and man to refer to people who have double X in every cell or people who have XY in every cell. I'm happy to uh, honor you as a purple polka dot giraffe if that's how you'd like to present yourself to me. But if you have double X in every cell, you're a woman purple polka dot giraffe, even if you want to be called he. Yes. And if oh, you I have X, Y in every cell and you would like to be a chartreuse uh, Komodo dragon um, <laughs> and be referred to as he, as she, that's fine. But okay. I'm going to call you a man nonetheless because you have yeah. X, Y in every cell. And that's not changeable. It's simply not changeable. I'll go along with whatever you want on the outside, but I'm also going to refer to the inside. And right. let's face it. God is not an inclusive word. Goddess is the inclusive word. It includes God. Of both, yes. Man is not an inclusive word. Woman oh. is the inclusive word. It includes both. Mm -hmm. He is not an inclusive word. She is the inclusive word. So I will use goddess, woman, and she to include everyone. Yes, I love that. You okay, so those, too. Yeah. those are the inclusive terms, mm -hmm. right? And if men have kind of a hard time seeing themselves in that, well, they're just going to have to get over it <laughs> because I've been asked to see myself in man, which doesn't include me. Right, right. Right, so yeah. let's just turn the table a little bit here and use the inclusive words, right? Yes. So working with the infusion, I weigh out the infusion, mm -hmm. right? Put my water up to boil, sweep, deeply involved in the sweeping. The sweeping is a ceremony. Yep. It is a ceremony of paying attention. And when that water boils, then again, there is the ceremony of putting the herb into the boiling water, letting that steam come up into my face, smelling that, taking that in, opening my heart to that steam, connecting to that plant, turning the fire off, putting the lid on it and letting it steep overnight. Mm. Then I go to sleep. When I wake up in the morning, the first ceremony is strain the infusion. All right, to get my strainer, get my jars, strain the infusion, squeeze the herb. An apprentice of one of my apprentices called and said, I had a great idea. I'm going to make some big tea bags and each big tea bag is going to have one ounce of herb. And that way nobody has to touch the herb. And I started screaming. I said, you can do that if you want to, but do not use my name and don't call it nourishing herbal infusions because I will have nothing of it. She said, what's wrong with that? I said, you're totally just taking people right out of relationship. Yep. I said, you're, you're making it what I call sporeless, right? Mm -hmm. We live in sporeless cultures, right? Where they're very, yep. as you say, neat and washed and cleaned up, right? Yep. And I live in the country, which is very sporeful. And yep. I want people, I want people putting their hands in those plants when they're straining it because dermal absorption is real. Okay, we have to talk about this because this has been something since the pandemic started that I have seriously been exploring. Uh, in my own life, this, um, I, I like how you're calling it sporeless, right? How we've been cultured to be very clean and specifically as a woman. And so for me personally, that means you shave your legs, you shave your armpits, you scrub your face, you potentially dye your hair to look a certain way. Like we, and I live in Southern California. So I have been unpacking and shedding all of these layers within the last, I mean, it's been coming on for a while, but I want to share this Susan, because <laughs> I'm seeing hair. a very lovely leg with some beautiful skin on it. Um, hair, I know the hair is not coming through. Believe me, it's not shaved. It has not been shaved 
Last time I shaved my legs was 1967. Right. Okay. So I, I just want to talk about that because I feel that women specifically have been culturated to, to look a certain way. And that is a very clean version of really not how we exist. And so I have to just tell you, and I'm very proud. This is my natural hair color coming in. I call it my soul hair and I'm getting All to right. know who she is because she's way wiser than this girl. <laughs> and my armpit hair, I don't know if you can see it. It's totally growing in. Yay! And I'm not shaving my legs. And, you know, some of you guys who are listening to this who know me, you're probably like, whoa, she's going down the off the Guys is not an inclusive word. I'm not included in guys. You're only talking to the men who are listening? Oh my gosh, I thank you. Thank you. And so there you go again, right? So, so that awareness right? These are the things that I have been looking at and feeling. And so, yes, I am, I am not articulating this audience appropriately. It, it is the men and women that are listening to this. It's the goddesses listening to this. Right. Thank you. Right. Susan, that is so, yeah. thank you. And I think that yeah. our language is so important. The way that we say things, the, what we're calling in, what we're casting with our words is also in, in the in the beginning about. was pardon in the beginning was the what? word the word in the beginning was the word the what? word is the ritual every word you speak is a ritual you evoke and create with your words yes absolutely. a guy is a guy as a matter of fact is a terrorist Guy yeah. Fox. Every time you call someone a guy, you are creating terrorism in our in our world. Oh my gosh, Guy Fox Day in England on November eleventh, they burn the. That's what a that's what a guy is. Ah, and this is where I think epitom um, How do we say it? Epitomology, like the understanding what exactly the word is mm -hmm. and what it means, is so important because I would have never have known that. Mm -hmm. So. I'm not a guy, you're not a guy. And I have been telling women for 25 years that if they allow themselves to be called guys, they will lose all their reproductive rights. And what has happened in the past 25 years? This, okay. If, so you're, a guy, if you're a guy, you don't need reproductive rights now, do you? No, not if you're a terrorist. <laughs> not if you're a guy. Not if you're a guy. And I'm not, and neither are you. Wow, okay, so thank you. That was very important for me to take that yeah. on. And I think also yeah. to anyone who is you can to this, you can put you can put uh after it. Try it. Guys uh guy uh oh Gaia <laughs> you yes. guy us yes so all the beautiful guys that are listening to this <laughs> there you go Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm totally on board. And this is where I think Susan oh, is just such a wise woman that uh, I'm just so happy that I'm talking to you because I feel like there's so much we can discuss. I do want to just yeah. go back a little bit to what you were saying earlier about mother, father, doctor, God, mm -hmm. and that archetype and that your very first ritual was, you know, being sent to the doctor and then basically having your power taken away from you and, and putting it in somebody else or not feeling like your health was in your own control. Um, because this has come up recently for, for me with our dog. And we have a beautiful um, white golden retriever. He's laying down here by my feet. His name's Rupert. 
and he has had these chronic ear infections. So both ears all flared up, yeasty, yucky, skin problem, right? And so for many years, we were just taking him to the vet and they kept giving us this antibiotic and this stupid solution to squirt in his ear. And I had a visceral response, like, this is not appropriate. Like, I would never want somebody to squirt something in my ear. And I don't take antibiotics. Why would I make my dog take antibiotics? Now, granted, I will preface that with if there is a severe condition that you need to take antibiotics, sure, by all means, we need to do that. But it just kept happening over and over and over. And I finally said enough. And I took him to a natural vet who basically said, it's diet and let's, let's change his diet. And I said, that's a great idea. So now I make his food and I felt like that helped things. And we've been doing that for several years now. Well, he's had another flare up, right? And his ears are both infected again. He's got this scab thing on his skin. Um, and I, so I took him to this dermatologist that was recommended. She said, oh, he's got environmental allergies. He's got food allergies. He has a double ear infection. We need to put him on prednisone, this, that. You, 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 know, you know that you already are using the remedy. Food? You're making it for yourself. What are you making for yourself each evening? So, okay, thank you. I'm making the nourishing herbal infusions. And I have Give been- your dog the nourishing herbal infusions. Oh. So I'm just gonna pour that on its food. And that's- it Just pour I, it on its food or yeah. mix it with milk. Most animals like milk a lot and will drink happily drink infusion mixed with milk. Mm, thank you for that. And the reason I just wanted to share that was for anybody yeah. who is listening to this, who feels kind of at a loss, right? Like that they, mm -hmm. they don't, they're trust, they're putting their trust in the professional, but then if their intuition is saying it's coming online and it's saying something like, well, you know, would you do that? Or it's mm -hmm. questioning. Mm -hmm. Encouragement mm -hmm. is listen to your intuition. Always. Always. In Abundantly Well, I talk about becoming your own expert. Yes. And it's scary to people because they think an expert has to know about everything. But all you had to learn about was dogs and ears to become an expert. You don't have to learn about, you don't have to be a veterinarian. You don't have to know about all dogs. You have to know about your dogs. You don't know, have to know about all ears. You have to know about your dog's ears. But in fact, that isn't really what you did. What you did was you went from one authority to another authority. So you switched your allegiance, but it was still mommy, daddy, Dr. God. Only now is mommy, daddy, Dr. God saying, change your diet. And it worked for a little longer than the antibiotics, but it would, it's never ever going to work because you have not yet become your own expert. Right. In terms of actually learning about your dog and dog's ears and what's really needed. You took this vet at their word that diet was it, but you didn't know that. So this mm -hmm. is why I encourage people become your own expert. This, this is happening to me right now. Some people know about the journey that I have been on, which left me with a three inch deep wound in my back. Very, very difficult wound. And the doctors um, wanted me in um, full anesthesia surgery so that they could work on it and then a vacuum pump and I refused it all. And my daughter became an expert on wound care. And my wound has healed at two to three times the rate that they thought was possible.
Wow. Wow. Because we took the time to become our own expert rather than to believe everything we were taught. People say, I'm not surgery or the vacuum pump. Give me some time to think about it and explore my options, and I'll get back to you on whether or not I want to do that. Yeah. You don't ever have to say no. You don't have to ha- ever have to say, I'm, I'm never taking your antibiotics. We don't have to adapt that attitude. We can say, I don't want to take those antibiotics right now. I need to explore some other options. Perhaps I'm going to choose antibiotics, but maybe not. Leave your doors open. That's mm-hmm. part of becoming your own expert, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's bite size, right? It's like you said, you don't have to become the expert in all things, right? It's just no. one thing and you go deep within that one thing and then you feel like you can metabolize that wisdom and then you know intuitively how to take care of the wound or how to fix the, the ear. Well, infection. not intuitively. It's not intu- intuition. It's not intuition. She studied. She really studied wound care and she found an alginate, a seaweed dressing that does the same thing as the vacuum pump. Really? Incredible. Right, And we realized that if the dressing was, was changed every eight hours instead of every 12 hours, as we were being told, that it healed a lot faster. So we studied, we experimented, we tried products. We really, and my daughter did most of it because this is, this is on my lower spine. My coccyx was surgically removed. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then the soft tissue behind that was surgically removed too, which is why the wound was three inches deep. Got it. But the good news is clear margins, no lymph node involvement, no spread. They never want to see me again. I'm completely cancer-free. Amazing. So I gave up some of my body, but I also gave up the cancer. Hey, you know. (laughs) Win-win. Win-win. Exactly. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's a bit of a long haul coming back from 17 hours of surgery and a 13-hour induced coma. But yeah, that was about four months ago. Wow, I did not even know that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And here you are. (laughs) I taught, I I was in the hospital for two weeks and I came out of the hospital and I taught classes that weekend. Yes, I was laying on the ground. And yes, I had help from the apprentices. But as I said to them, they didn't operate on my brain. Right. (laughs) The other end, the other end, I can still talk. I can still think, let's go. Right, so. It's so I do great. want to ask one question, because if somebody is listening to this and they feel like, well, why are they all up in arms about taking antibiotics? You know, why? We're not that- up in arms. I'm not up in arms. You're not up in arms. Okay. Nobody is up in Everybody is already taking antibiotics every day. Because of food, right? If you eat a non-organic because you, chicken. Because it's, because it's not biodegradable. Every, every gram of antibiotic that's ever been produced is in the environment and you are ingesting it. There's no place to go. It doesn't matter if it's organic or non-organic. It's not something that's being put in the food. It's something that's excreted in people's bodies and going into the environment. So we can choose not to take an antibiotic to prevent infection because they don't work very well to prevent infections. We can choose to take an antibiotic um, if we, we if we feel that we might be dying if we don't. But there's a lot of areas in between and I give a really good um, description of herbal antibiotics 
both in Abundantly Well and in Down There, so that you have a lot of different choices. As a matter of fact, when I was in the hospital, they had me on an IV antibiotic, right? I mean, they just cut me, burned me, drugged me, sewed me, everything, right? So they had, and then they pulled the line out and said, go home. And I said, and you're not sending me home with any antibiotics? They said, oh, no. I'm like, you just had me on antibiotics for two weeks. You've done all this surgery and now you're just sending me home. Well, of course, I went home and started taking herbs that would protect me. Yeah. Because I'm an expert at that. But your ordinary person would have just said, oh, well, okay, they don't think it's needed. But I, but I, I knew that it was needed. Right. And that I was going to continue to do that. But I want to get back, back to ritual and the wise woman tradition. Yes. Because we said that the scientific tradition measures and fixes. And in fact, ritual has no place in that at all, except that it winds up being ritualistic because humans are ritualistic. And I know women who are mammogram technicians and they do a lot of ritual when they put a woman through a mammogram because they mm -hmm. feel it's really important. Mm -hmm. But the scientific tradition itself doesn't have any truck with ritual or ceremony. The heroic tradition is the worst part of ritual and ceremony, which is the you have to do it exactly this way part. And there's certainly a benefit in doing it the same way every time. I'm not against that. But if you come into it and you don't have any choice, then it's difficult to make that heart connection to those ceremonies and rituals. The wise woman tradition nourishes the wholeness of the unique individual. And I say that nourishment is a three-legged stool. Nourishment, obviously, is what we eat, what we drink and what we eat. Nourishment is also being heard and paying attention to others. We want to hear and be heard. And nourishment is simple ceremony. Mm. Without simple ceremony, we are not well nourished. This is one of the aspects of nourishment that is most missing from the modern diet. People may be incredibly worried about what they eat or when they eat or all of that. But what I say to people is don't change your diet, let your diet change you. Once you start drinking nourishing herbal infusions, once you start getting simple ceremony into your life, then you will, not by willpower, but by your own innate desire, choose a diet that is going to appropriately nourish you and it won't necessarily be anybody else's diet and again I had to really be okay with that as I saw my body through these enormous events which changed what I desired to eat which changed what I could eat mm. and rather than Letting my mind say, you can't eat that. You can't drink grape juice. I said, my body really wants grape juice. I'm going to get some organic grape juice and drink it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because yeah. my body is telling me it needs this right now. Right? My body had a much greater need for fruit and sweet fruit after that traumatic event than it ever, ever had. Yeah. I came out of that surgery weighing 119 pounds and I'm five foot seven. Whoa. So I have had to stock up my freezer with ice cream, <laughs> get up in the middle of the night and eat ice cream. You know, it's like, if I don't eat three meals a day, I lose weight now. 
Wow. Because I'm st- I am still rebuilding, right? I have a major wound. I'm rebuilding tissue there, so I've got to eat, eat, eat. Yes. yes. And that that my ceremony cannot get in the way of what my body needs. People in that heroic tradition use ceremony as a ritual to be to be a way for you to connect more to yourself, to your heart, to the joy of existence because i see people in the heroic tradition and they're very upset because there's so many rules and the rules contradict each other and they can't figure out how to be right and i say just drop it all and somebody said to me well you know susan does this this do whatever you want in the wise woman tradition i could just go out and get a cocaine vodka hot fudge sundae and i said you could but if you're listening to your body you would only do it once Right. <laughs> so you've been drinking nourishing herbal infusions now for a month or two? When I, um, I would say probably, yeah, two months, maybe three. Two months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have you noticed that your taste for other foods has changed? A little bit, a little shift. I think the biggest, yeah, like not, I mean, you kind of start to have a, aversions to things that maybe are not as good for you. Like I will have a piece of chocolate because I, you think chocolates, chocolate is a food totally Chocolate's fun. really important. Yeah, it is really important. So that's, that's good. But I don't really feel like I crave any other sweets other than chocolates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I tend bring, to be a sweet person. Like I like, I do, I, I do a green goddess week and I bring women here um, to study with me and they're only allowed to drink infusion for that week not even water, only nourishing herbal infusion because water can never hydrate you. And they don't get any fruit, any sweets of any kind for the first six days. And then on Saturday evening, I bring out the chocolate and the cookies and all of that big basket and I pass it around, right? And they're all ripped open and they're broken up and available and eat. And I pass it around two or three or four times, make sure, you know, eat, eat, eat. We're doing our goddess pageant. And then the next morning, I bring out the basket, which is more than half full. And I say, look at how much you left over. And they say, yeah, it was really interesting. One piece of chocolate was satisfying. Yeah. Right. So the nourishing herbal infusions mineralize you to the point where you don't want that. So I'm continuing to drink my nourishing herbal infusions, Mm. but obviously my body is needing more. And in the wise woman tradition, um, because we are engaging in ceremony and that ceremony, part of that ceremony is to honor yourself. I have mm-hmm. correspondence courses and one of my correspondence courses is the Green Witch. And assignment number one is create a small ceremony that you will do every time you engage with this course. It's so easy to make okay. a small ceremony. It does not have to be a big thing. Mm-hmm. You started us out by calling in the four directions. Yep. I keep dairy goats. I have candles in the barn at night. Light the candle. Now I start in the east because I'm a witch. And so we start in the east. You start in the south from South America, obviously. Very reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. And I light that candle and I call in those powers and spirits. I Mm -hmm. light all of those. And then I hold the candle up and I say, all of the beings of above, I invite you here. And then I hold it down and I say, everything that is beneath me, I invite you here. And I hold it to my heart. And I say, I invite the heart center to be here while I am here in the barn milking my goats. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, I thank below, I thank above. 
I blow out the candles and the last candle I blow out, I say, this blows out but never extinguishes our heart connection. Oh, beautiful. Because my teachers have always said that it's more important to dismiss than call in. That, as a matter of fact, one of my teachers walked into my room and said, I see you have been calling a lot of help, but you've never told them they could go. And I said, <laughs> I have to tell them they can go. They just don't go on their own. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> yep. No, it is very important. I've been taught that as well. And it's a good reminder because sometimes you get so wrapped up and excited in what you're doing that you forget to like acknowledge and thank and dismiss. Thank you. And you may go now. Right? You may go now. Yes. I'll call you back when needed again, but when you're needed, done. Now. Right. But we have completed our test here. Right? <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, so let's jump ahead to yeah. those or back to those green goddesses. Saturday night, our goddess pageant, Sunday morning high magic ritual. They have a time from they wake up until 10, 30, 11 o'clock to get ready. Whatever you want to do, you want to walk down to the waterfall, take off your clothes and bathe in the waterfall for the ritual, you do that. You want to lay on the earth and let the bees come to you before the ritual, you do that. You want to put on face paint, you do that. Whatever, however you want to prepare for this, that's your ceremony, that's your ritual. And then we gather together and in age order with the oldest leading, we process to our ritual grounds. And I have a specific ritual ground set aside because I'm fortunate enough to live on a large property. And it wasn't just fortune, I chose it and saved up for it and was able to, to handle it. And um, along the way we sing. And to me, singing is a very important part of ceremony. We are sisters on a journey, singing now as one, remembering the ancient ways, the women and the wisdom, the women and the wisdom. We sing a variety of different chants as yeah. we go up. We're going up, we're going up, we're going up. We come to a trance gate because I have various trance gates along the way. And the first trance gate is the gate of the pure of heart. CBS news crew came to interview me about being a witch. And I said, let's go up to the ceremonial grounds, right? And we got to the gate of the pure of heart. And I said, this is the gate of the pure of heart. And they said, we'll go back. <laughs> and I said, and I said you, no, you will find the purity in your heart because everyone has a pure heart. Wow. And you will come through this gate in your pure heart. Did, right? did they go through? This this is not kata weighing your soul. This is a gate and it's an opportunity for you to connect to that, yeah. not to judge yourself. Yes, of course they did. Good, good, good. <laughs> because then they, then they understood that even if it was a tiny bit, that it was nonetheless there and that going through that gate would magnify it. The next trance gate, when we're doing a high magic ceremony, we stop before it because it is a, a gate with the same kind of power as... Um, taking magic mushrooms or mm -hmm. LSD is absolute game changer when you go through that gate. And I don't want people walking through it without preparation. Yep. So we stop before that gate and I do several small, simple ceremonies to help people align themselves so that when they step through that gate, they will be in a space they want to be in. 
sounds incredible. I'm <laughs> right. Intrigued. So when I when I do a big ceremony, it's a big ceremony. Yeah. Okay. We then go through that gate, and that takes a while because people go through individually, mm-hmm. and they go through. I will give you the words to one of the ceremonies that we do. We are standing, um, facing each other with hands linked, but arms stretched out. And we raise this hand and a woman comes in between us and is held between our outstretched arms. And we lean into her. And in each ear, we say, from a woman, you were born into this world. Oh my goodness. From women, you are now born into this ritual. And that woman goes through all of the linked arms and then she stands at the end of the line and links with the next woman that comes through until every woman has gone through the line. Oh, how powerful and so, and simple. So simple. Thank you, Zhuzhana Budapest. The Zhuzhana Budapest ritual, my goddess grandma. Thank you. That initiated me as a witch, initiated me as a, as a high priestess. Thank you, Zhuzhana. Oh. Yeah. So now we are in the ritual space. Yep. And because it does not have a roof or walls, we must create those things. So we create the walls by first dancing and singing anti-clockwise, Wittershins. Yes. And after we have done that, then we dance and sing Dissolel with the sun, clockwise. Yeah. And this, this creates the walls of our space and then we call in the directions Mm -hmm. right all seven of them right east and south west and north above below and the center oh the center there are seven directions i like that i've only been taught six i didn't even think about the seven center where there must be a center and from that center we raise the roof we raise our cone of power from the center. That is the only place it can be raised from. <laughs> I'm getting all of these like missing links, like from talking to you. It's like these, the it's like that last puzzle piece that you're kind of putting in. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And that like circle is expensive. And it's, it's, it's expensive enough to include a place to toilet and a place to drink, right? Mm-hmm. Because once that circle is cast, you cannot leave it. Right. Right. It's it's an absolute, right, mm-hmm. watertight structure that we have made. Mm-hmm. And once we have done that, then we are at the juicy middle. And we can do whatever we want in the juicy middle. Somebody wants to read a poem they've written or sing mm-hmm. a song they've created or the song that they like that they want us to sing with them or do a dance or uh, tell a joke or whatever is going on. In addition, at the Green Goddess Week, I offer initiations to any woman who wants to be a green witch. Amazing. An initiation is a beginning, right? So an initiation is not a reward for having done something. It's an agreement to begin. And I have several small rituals around that too. There's a, a very special place at our ritual center and I warn people off, you can never stand in there. I use it for only only the initiations, right? And it's pretty small, just enough room for two people to stand in. And it actually defines, uh, it was created by laying a line of rocks to point to the sun where it rose on summer solstice and laying a line of rocks to point to the sun where it rises on winter solstice. Mm-hmm. So that's our angle of existence or our angle of becoming here on this land. And we mm-hmm. stand within that angle to do these initiations. 
and I had a hand-painted silk silk scarf, which I take off my staff of power. We were talking about that digging stick, right? Yeah. And the digging stick now becomes the staff of power as we move into cities. And then during the witch-burning times, when you can't have a staff of power, we tie twigs on the bottom of it and call it a broom, which is why I'm sweeping, (laughs) because it's my staff of power. It is. So, so there's, there's that rich. So the rituals are many, many layered, right? So if I untie from my staff of power, my hand-painted silk scarf, I didn't paint it, someone else did. And I hold it up in front of me. And I stand there and do what anyone in that position would do, which is, you better come and help me. <laughs> yeah. I can do this on my own. Uh-huh. All right, everybody. All my helpers get here. Please come and help me now. And then I slowly lower the scarf so that I am revealed. Centimeter by centimeter by centimeter by centimeter by centimeter. And when at last it goes to the ground and I bend my knees until the scarf just comes all the way to the ground and then I stand up and declare that I am Lady Iona, High Priestess of the Goddess. And that I am here to offer initiation to any woman who wants it. I then go and stand in this arc of becoming. And again, pull the scarf scarf up in front of my face. And when I feel the heat energy signature of someone standing in front of me, I again bring that scarf down very, very slowly, looking at that person from the crown of their head all the way down through every single chakra until at last I am kneeling by their feet. Because it is important to remember when you are the one in power that you are the most humble. Yin and yang, in and out, right? Mm. So the proper beginning for me as the person of power there is to kneel at the feet of the person who's come to be in the woman who's come to be initiated. I then stand up and I have three ritual questions. What is your name? Are you here of your own free will? And what is your commitment? When the woman makes her commitment, I turn her so that she faces the other women. I put my scarf around her shoulders and tell her that she's embraced by the goddess, supported by the goddess's high priestess, and that I ask her to declare her commitment. And a commitment must be bound by time. So for instance, you might make a commitment. I will drink nourishing a quart of nourishing herbal infusion five days out of the week for the next month. That would be a commitment. You only get the investment of the commitment when you've completed it. So if you say, I'm going to drink nourishing herbal infusions every single day for the next year, you're never going to get any return on your investment because you're not going to do that. We're human beings. Right. And life happens. It falls in on us sometimes. It just does. So I always encourage people, cut yourself some slack, say five days out of the week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't make a commitment for a hundred years. Make a commitment for a month. You yep. can always make another commitment. Exactly. Bite size. Right? And they are making that commitment after the group of women. And then the entire group of women says the woman's name, because remember, that was the first question. What's your name? So they say her name and they say, da, 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 right? Amber, I hear your commitment. Now, we might think that the initiation is the big thing, but it's not. What's the big thing? is that your commitment is heard. Remember, being nourishment heard. is what we eat. Being it's being ritual heard. and it's being heard. Yeah. And the more decades that I do this, the more I see that the real magic is that you're heard. 
Yeah. You're heard and you're acknowledged. I have heard your commitment. I turn that woman to face me and then I initiate her. Sounds amazing. Right. When we have done all of that, there's a well and a nest if people wish to do that. The nest is for things that you want to brood on. The well is for things that you no longer have any use for. And you're going to throw it into the well. Somebody else might draw it out of that well. And perhaps you're done with hating your father. But some other woman needs to hate her father for a while. Right? Whatever it is, right? <laughs> that you have finished up, it goes into the well, right? Yep. And that then we dismiss and thank all of the directions. Mm -hmm. All right? And we leave the ritual area through the same trance gates because just like dismissing, we must leave through the trance gates we came in through. And again, we are singing and during our re recession and then we go and have a beautiful meal together. It just sounds incredible. I'm like, sign me up for this. This is remarkable to be able to, you know, be sharing these wise women traditions with so many modern women, right? And, and to be able to- it's a, it's a small group. This year I kept it to eight. Most yeah. years, like uh, most years, eleven. Yeah, we were we're outside almost a hundred percent of the time. So even in COVID days, we were able to do this, mm -hmm. right? Because we were able to keep that physical distance. And I'm and I am aided by White Feather, a Wolf Clan sister. We've both been initiated into the Wolf Clan, and she comes and teaches the Seven Directions Movement Meditation, which oh. has been called Native American Tai Chi. Beautiful, right? And and then um, Yvette. My gym partner, although we're not going to the gym these days, obviously, we've decided not to go back, at least for a while, um, who's also an art teacher, retired art teacher, um, ha helps the women create their own personal power shields. Sheets? Shields. Shields. Oh, yes. Power shields. I'm looking around to see if there's one laying here, because often... Um, she makes an extra one for me, but I don't see one, but they're mandalas. Yeah. Right, painted mandalas about eight by eight that the women work on during their week. And it's, they're absolutely amazing. And then of course, there's a variety of different things that we do in the evening. Um, I teach a yoga class. We do a moon lodge. We have an all night heartbeat drum. We do the goddess pageant and so on. So if you're interested or any other woman is interested, you can go to my website which is susanweed.com and just put in Green Goddess and you'll come up with the info for Green Goddess Week for next year. And it's usually the first week of August. Okay. Okay. And uh, you can begin your uh, application. There's an application process. I don't just let anybody who wants to come come. You have to go through a long interview and I have to decide whether or not you're going to work with the group and so on. So I think I might have seen that application and I was like, this is a very thorough application. Like it's, this is not for the faint of heart is, you know, this, even just getting you guys, no, I said it again. Gaias. You Gaias. Even just having the opportunity to chat with Susan live has been, you know, personally, even just with, you know, the recognition of the word guy, right. Or just different things. There's so much wisdom to receive, like even just in the conversation to be there for a week, you know, you have to be prepared that all the stuff is going to be presented to you and all for the better, right? Because it's all love, but I'm sure that people go through oh, you know, you ups and Absolutely. downs of shedding all this stuff, right? One of the things we do one night is we make a soup together. And there's a lot of different vegetables in the soup. So of course, this is very ritual, right? Each person gets a recipe, a cutting board, a knife, and their vegetable. 
and I go over with the whole group what we're doing. And then I go with each person individually. You're doing this and it's like this. You're doing this and it's like this. And then I go out, I leave them to cut and I go out and milk the goats because we're doing this at night, right? And as I'm on my way out the door, one of the women says to me, oh, I'm doing the carrots and I don't remember. Okay, she's got a written recipe. I've just gone over it with her, both generally and personally, and she doesn't remember. And I say to her, you know what? Just cut the carrots however you want to cut them. It's going to be fine. And I go out to my figure and say, come back. The person standing next to her who's doing the beets, which have to be done to be exactly the same as the potatoes, has decided that you can do the carrots anyway, she can do the beets anyway. But that's not going to work. And the and potatoes get cooked first, and I don't have any more beets. So she has to get in her car and drive to the store and buy more beets. And she's annoyed at me that I'm making her do this. So she gets in her car, she drives to the store, she buys the beets, she gets lost on the way home. It's two miles away. She gets lost, right? She cannot figure out where she is, and then her car breaks. And she has to call me and get me to come and rescue her. I am not happy. It's now midnight, and we still haven't started the soup. Oh, my goodness. And nobody else is happy with her. And it's getting really gnarly. And she's just like, Arr. and she comes back and we slice that piece and we get the pizza and the tank is going, Arr. right? And the next day she's like, and, you know, it's like, Arr. she's going to, you know, chew on me, right? And then by the last day she comes to me and she says, you know what I realized? I realized because if you hadn't made me go get the beats and I hadn't gotten lost and my car hadn't broken, I would be getting in that car today, Sunday and driving home and my car would break and I would be stuck on the side of the road with a broken car. No way to get it fixed because it's Sunday. She said, my car broke on Friday. You were able to get me to a reasonable and dependable mechanic on Saturday. I have a car that works. She said, thank you. Yep. Yep. There's always <laughs> some kind of bigger. There's got something. See, I trust hmm. that what's coming through me is coming through in an appropriate way. I'm not gonna stand aside and say, you bad girl, you. I had an apprentice who wanted a baby goat. She was here when the baby goats were born. She really wanted this baby goat. She stayed for long enough for the goat to be big enough for her to take home with her. And she said, I'm gonna spend an extra night because I wanna get on the road early in the morning with this baby goat. She said, fine, no problem. I went out to teach, I came back. She had taken this baby goat, tied it with a rope around its throat next to an open window and the goat had jumped out the window. So what I saw was this rope tied to a thing and the rope going out the window taut. Oh. So, right, so already I'm freaked out. The goat had managed to get one toe, not even a whole foot, but just one toe on the ground. So it had not choked. Oh my goodness. But I was furious. I untied the baby goat. I took it in my arms. I kicked open the door where this woman was sleeping turn on the light, woke her up. I said, get up now, get on the road now and take this baby goat with you. That's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, if you're like standing in judgment on yourself, you're like, don't do that. That's rude. What are you working so right? But I'm not standing in judgment on myself. Two years later, the woman called me and said, I owe you a huge debt. Mm. She said, since I left you, I got married. Mm. Married to, a, she had a child by a previous marriage that had dissolved. She got remarried and she had just gone into her child's room to check on her and her new husband was masturbating over her child's face. Oh my goodness. She said, I didn't even have to think. She said, I became you. And I told her to pack up and get out. Mm -hmm. mm. She said, and I had that power and I had that example and I knew not 
to make any excuse. You didn't make any excuse for me. I'm not making any. And every man I have asked has said, that's exactly the right thing to do. That's never going to get better. You don't make excuses for that behavior. Mm -mm. He'll lie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He'll say he won't do it, but he will. Right. Oh. Oh. So I, I don't know at the time where it's going to go, but I trust. Yeah that through my use of ritual, through my use of ceremony, through nourishing myself to be mm-hmm. this vessel by which very large energies can manifest, that I cannot get in the way of those energies or I will get hurt. Right. I cannot bring my judgment of myself there. Mm-hmm. But I don't do it casually and I don't do it thoughtlessly. Right. Yep. And that's because actually- Good and that's what ritual that's what ritual and ceremony give us yes yes thoughtfulness and and i think that that's just such a powerful way to kind of end this discussion is you know really being able to stand in your power and to have i think the example that you're setting for all of your apprentices and people that follow your work you know is we need more of that we need to be able to people modeling that because I would say our society typically has taught us to be the good girl and the nice girl and to not say what you really mean and mean what you say. And um, it's something that I've definitely been working through and the times when I have spit some truth and, and it's nailed a point like to the T getting feedback from loved ones that like, oh, it's your delivery. You know, if you could just be a little bit more soft or a little bit more loving. And, and I'm, I'm at this point, I'm like, no, like it's going to come through the way that it's going to come through. The intention behind it is of such care and of such love that it's going to address it. And, and it might feel like a sting, but it's coming from a loving place. And, and so I have been working to stay in that, um, that power and, and, Take the feedback, but really not listen to it. So, that's, mm-hmm. yeah. that's, oh, you may be right. Perhaps I could be more loving. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm not going to be, but you could be right. Yeah, you, you could be right. Um, well, Susan, thank you. Amber, I we could keep talking Amber, about you are amazing. Oh. You are so wonderful. It's such a delight to get to share this time with you. I could, I couldn't agree more, Susan. I just want to thank you because I feel like we were just scratching the surface of ritual and ceremony and all of these beautiful examples that you shared about the this power ceremony and the gates. It, it made me think about being in England with my parents um, and wa- they call them kissing gates. So every time we, we go through, you know, this little gate in the forest in England, you know, like, oh, like these are the kissing gates. And like we would stop and kiss each other and like walk through. And so it just painted that visual for me thinking about you all you know, in this procession through these gates. <laughs> Amazing. So I will link in the show notes, everybody, um, Susan's website. She's got a lot of information there. Um, and she's got a great newsletter as well, like I mentioned. So I'll put that link as well. Um, and Susan, just and to please, kind of wrap up, is please, there any- pl- Please link to wisewomanschool.com where there is a free course on how to prevent or deal with COVID. Oh, fabulous. Wise Women School. We'll definitely put wisewomenschool.com free course for you. Prevent or deal with COVID. My gift. Thank you. 
you are welcome. We all need each other's help, especially in these COVID days. We absolutely do. And I will definitely link to that. Thank you for that beautiful free gift. I'm sure the listeners will really appreciate that. Is there any last words of wisdom or anything that wants to come through? That's yeah, on herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine of the people, by the people, and for the people. Get started by drinking nourishing herbal infusions. I have a YouTube channel. You don't have to buy a thing. YouTube is free. Go to YouTube. Look at the the um, the YouTubes on making nourishing herbal infusions. You get to enjoy my granddaughter who's helping me weigh out the herbs and make the infusions and then start drinking nourishing herbal infusions and we'll take it from there. Beautiful invitation. Thank you, Susan. Thank you so much for being here. You're the best. Thank you, Amber.